0: Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name is Chad. All right. So, Chad, last recording, we talked about where you were at, where you Mm -hmm. were one game away (laughs) from the end of your campaign arc, and it ended on a cliffhanger, and then like two months went by. Yep. All right. So, between recordings, that game actually occurred. Snowmageddon didn't hit.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Well, it did on Sunday, it came a day (laughs) late. So they were predicting that here in St. Louis, it was going to snow a lot on Saturday, the day before you guys came. And instead, it snowed
1: on kind of mid to late Sunday. Right. So and, it just came a bit late. Well, and that was another compounding factor to the whole coming back to gaming thing for us, too. We switched days. Not a whole long story of why we did. It's not important. But we went from late afternoon and evening on Sunday gaming, which we had been doing for years. For as long as I have gamed. Years and years and years, and we switched it to mid-afternoon Saturday, and we did that for the first game that Saturday. So we were all out of, you know, sorts and everything. But it did happen, yes. So
0: now, all right, after, after we talked about it, kicked mm-hmm. it around. Let's hear what happened when this actually when the rubber hit the road. What is the after-action report? What actually occurred? And obviously, Wayne, you can get on this too because you were a player in the game.
1: I think it went really well. I, I took all the advice that you guys and Dawn, actually, I had gone to her for advice and she gave me the exact same advice you guys did. And so I went with it. I let everybody kind of get it out of their system, you know, talk and stuff, which surprised me in that they were really interested in talking when everybody got together. I mean, there was a little bit of talk, but it wasn't like, oh, I did this and this is what I've been doing for a month. It's more like, no, I'm ready to game. Let's go. Sort of thing. And that was
2: very, I noticed that too. Normally it's the exact opposite, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to talk about what I was doing.
1: Right. I think people were pumped for the game, which was good. We went downstairs and before we went into it, I gave a little disclaimer where I'm like, okay guys, just so you know, we haven't gamed in a month. I left it on a cliffhanger. You know, it's hard to get back into games and such. There might be a little bit of anticipation for this game. This is the last one. It's really hard to time games. You know, it's like I have X amount of hours of content. Well, this is the last game. I can't pad it. So it might be a little short or and I just kind of prepped everyone and everyone was like, yeah, we know we don't care. Go do it. And I'm like, all right. I jumped in and I rolled the scene back a few minutes, not a huge amount, but basically to the assassination Mm -hmm. and the reaction to it. And I narrated that. I took your guys' advice, too, and I made it very visceral. A little on the gory end of it. Um, you went full carry, dumped a gallon or two of pig's blood
0: on the table.
2: Well, <laughs> well, it wasn't really rolling because there was a frost brand involved. So it was more the
1: blood was icicles. Blood frozen icicles. blood hitting her face. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. The, the frozen blood of your murdered mother hitting you in the face it was kind
0: of like where i started so i got a question just clarification on something you said you didn't want to talk about what you'd been doing do you mean because it was something you didn't want to talk about or you were trying not to break the mood because
2: i lost a dog over
0: the the colony so okay so i didn't want to talk about my weeks because they were bad okay gotcha so you are i was just trying to make sure i understood that that Mm -hmm. comment but all right so it sounds like everyone
1: came Already with that buy-in, ready to go.
0: That you didn't have to yeah. do a lot of cat
1: hurting. Right, right. I did not do a recap. In fact, I even said, because I do that thing with the poker chip. Somebody give me a recap. Here's your free re-roll for the night. Sure. He usually goes to Wayne because he really needs it. And <laughs> so I held the poker chip up and I said, we're not doing a recap. I put on tail this for anyone to use. And then I just went into it. I just started rolling. And I think ultimately, like like the whole game, I think it went really well. There were a
2: few moments in the beginning where I was a little concerned, where there were, there was some joking that was a little, I guess, a little too light for the scene.
1: Yeah. But that fixed itself pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that the going really visceral with the description of the murder kind of made that go away. In fact, so when someone makes a joke and it's a little bit of an inappropriate joke, and this is not gaming, this is just a social thing. Yeah. You can either call them out on and say, hey, that's unacceptable. Or you can make a counter joke to it, you know, like an Archer, where they go, "Oh, in a prope's sort of thing," it lightens the mood, yet sends the message that that this isn't the time, right? And so I made one or two of those those kinds of counter jokes. In fact, I specifically did the Archer uh, in a prope's thing. This would be funny if somebody's mom wasn't dead, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you play it light so you don't shoot someone in the back of the head for. Trying to tell a joke. See, a part of
0: what you want to accomplish, I say you, mm-hmm. I don't mean you, Chad, I mean you, any gamer. So, the undefined right. you here, part of what a person wants to accomplish in a role playing game is you are trying to build emotion, mm-hmm. and the emotion creates investment. And it creates, I mean, if you watch a good movie or read a good book, you go on a little bit of a roller coaster ride emotionally. You know, you get into it, you feel anger about certain things, mm-hmm. sadness, happiness, you feel this range of emotions. And that's happening because of good storytelling. And of course, in a role playing game, while a game master is primarily responsible for storytelling, the game master is not solely responsible for it. Mm -hmm. The players are as well. And I don't know that I want to dig into this too deep because I think to explain it would be to touch too many scars and scabs that I'm not prepared to dance around right now. But I think there is a value because you were talking about the visceral description. Mm-hmm. I think there is a value in game masters or even other players mm-hmm. making each other feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay, now before someone takes that out of context mm-hmm. and runs with it, I am not saying you're supposed to flatly disturb the people right. at your table
1: there's always a limit right
0: I, mean, I would like
2: to see the gm that hasn't pulled the creepy meter and creeped out at least one of their yes.
0: players to the point where they thought did i cross a line sure it's, it's mm-hmm. a difference between a horror movie where people are having fun watching a west craven slasher versus somebody watching an actual family get murdered. Okay. This this is the I I find with this group it's spiders.
2: (laughs) That's the line. (laughs) Yeah. You and I both do some really visceral descriptive Mm. spiders that cause people to be creeped out around the table.
0: (laughs) I mean you can though and I'm not suggesting gratuity. Right. And I'm certainly not suggesting genuinely upsetting anyone. Mm. But I think giving that visceral description, you can kind of turn that humor down a bit.
1: Yeah by simply taking the people to another place emotionally. Well, and think about this on a, on a sort of role-playing game fundamentals thing. A good story has tension. Yes. If you always succeed, well, th- there's an episode of Twilight Zone about that. Yeah. Where you know, the yeah. You know, the guy goes to the poker room. Yep, r- well, r- I, r- I want to go to the other place. What makes you think you're not in the other place? <laughs> and that's the big twist. Where everything is going his way and it's hell. And that's the same thing in role-playing games. If everything is going your way, it's, it's boring. And it's hell. It's a yeah. bad game. So one of the ways that game masters make things not go people's way when the dice aren't helping them not have things go their way <laughs> is that they can they ratchet up the tension. And it is the peaking of that attention and the release of it that makes the story. So let me talk about one of my players, Laura. She was a ranger, and this tension peak and release happened in this last game she had been somewhat stalked and haunted by this undead assassin who was trying to kill her parents. And the big mystery of why and oh my God of revelation, maybe her parents deserved it. The twist of, well, they're still my parents and what do we do? And we have to stop this guy because he's horrible. And can we stop this guy? It's not a matter of my attributes, my levels, my abilities and my friends. It's a matter of, I Chad was able to make this guy so creepy and so personally affected that her character was scared of him. The group could take him easily. He was like a challenge rating below their level, but it was the psychological fear that I had put in into that character for the character not the player because I'm not some crazy psychopath genius, but through the game there was this fear, this dread Hints that he had left behind that he was in the area doing things that they hadn't heard about him in many sessions. And then it comes up and it's like, oh, my God, Reed is here. What do we do? I am really scared sort of thing. I am this D&D godlike character, and I am afraid of this one character because it was a good story because it tied into her character and it, it affected her character really well. So this climax of the story is that this reed character kills her mother in front of her and her mother is infinitely more powerful than she is and could wipe out single-handedly the entire party and they knew that on a meta level and this guy just assassinates the f*** out of her i mean just murders her right in front of her and there's nothing they can do to stop it and the reaction to that. And then here's where this really good story comes in, because the good story is not me tormenting this my poor player. The good story is rising up with your friends, marshalling your courage and chasing him, finding him and killing him, which is what they did. And it was amazing. And when they worked together to end him and end his threat, he was dead but beyond an unequivocal doubt. His head was gone. Stuff happened in the combat is really cool. And she has her character take out a knife and is screaming and stabbing the body out of fear and anguish and relief and regret and everything. And that right there is where the good story came in. Looking at the pace of the story, Mm -hmm. I would say
2: we didn't have much time to do rest and things. But we had to after that, too, because that was our big battle of the session and i was basically me i rolled a one i rolled a three i rolled a five i rolled a one he's, and he's. i had a potion that i took ahead of time that would have made me do extra damage if i could have ever hit
0: him it was a plot potion
2: and it, i contributed nothing to the entire you just combat. need to let
0: him from this point forward just roll instead of a d20 he gets to roll a d12 plus eight <laughs> so that way he will never roll below a nine which is still enough to fail yes. and he will fail frequently yeah. but at least narrows his range of failures yeah i thought about that afterwards and i
2: didn't know if you would have done the i mean it was us that said we were going to take a rest but yeah i think that was partially because everyone just felt we were out of everything and i just
1: rolled really really badly So one of the things I did in this game, too, is they had two encounters that I needed them to have to complete the game. One, they had to resolve what was going on with Reed, with this assassin. They Mm -hmm. had to face him. They had to rise to the occasion and overcome the entire concept of Reed and his threat. But Reed was not the main thing that was going on. Reed was a symptom of other things the main big bad, the central mystery, the giant monster, the the book, this evil, horrible book that was they uncovered was the cause of everything that Laura's father took and used, and it changed him and made him powerful into a monster, basically, and they had to stop that, and they had to to, to realize that and stop it. And I was thinking through the whole thing of dealing with this problem that we talked about last week. You have to, once you get it going, once you get the engine running, you need to use your, your fundamentals, your GMing fundamentals. You need to keep the pacing good. You need to put spotlight on each individual person and highlight their strengths and coolnesses. You have to spotlight the entire group. You have to, you have to keep the party together because if the party's split, that's okay in a regular game, but we're trying to keep momentum going here. We don't want people sitting idle. You have to give them shared victories. You have to make it seem real or it has to be real. There has to be that, that option of failure in there. It's all those basic fundamentals. You, you have to bring in characters. You have to keep their voices. You have to have the consistency, all of that. And one of the problems that I was facing before this that I didn't bring up on the episode was that there are two huge fights, D&D role initiative fights. In a, what was it, five-hour session, yeah. if we had done that, even with 5th edition with their streamlined rules and stuff, that, I mean, it, it, it's not about the game and the role-playing at that point because at least 50% of the game is now rolling dice against big end bosses. You, you'll get combat burnout. So one of the decisions I made is that I wanted Reed to be the fight. I wanted Reed to be the, the big fight. I'm not exactly sure why. I, I think because it it lends itself to a combat encounter, you, you very viscerally end him and end his threat.
2: Well, I don't know if this went into your thoughts board or not, but when I look at it, if I were to choose between the two, one of the reasons I would have chose Reed as the big fight is Reed was there from nearly the beginning. Yeah. He was there from maybe session three or four. Mm-hmm. And he had been the background thing to be overcome. And doing it, the actual combat rolling out was overcoming
1: him in the way that he should have been overcome. Right. What I wanted to do for the last fight, which I had, since the beginning of the game a year ago, I had planned as being the final fight. What I turned it into was more of a obstacle, dungeon type thing, you know, where, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this. But it was a big monster in a room. What I did is I had like conditions for victory, so to speak. There was this whole prophecy thing. Uh, they they had been getting visions and such that I had been slowly feeding them through the game that was basically foreshadowing or, or directly viewing what this fight was going to be
2: like. So I had wondered something about that. Mm-hmm. So you had been doing that since nearly the beginning. When did you decide that that was my character... Having dreams of it.
1: Uh, when your character hit third level, so about halfway through the game. That's what I was wondering if you already were
2: having them, and then that just as yeah. that was just a, hey, that's a really cool tool you just p- dropped in my
1: lap. Yeah. So I was doing flashbacks where, okay, so you, the game would start in the future, although it was without context and the players didn't know it, but it focused on one character. And it was this fight in the throne room. And then it would get to a point where I would then flash back to the past beyond where the present was to their childhoods. And it would focus on that same character as a child, where there would be this sort of silly situation. They would have to solve some problem, but they were kids and such. And it involved one of the the main NPCs. And then when they solved the problem, that problem would relate and tie into what they were doing in the present. And then they would go forward. And so as the games went on, they kept asking me this question of what are we seeing? Is this the future? Are we having visions? Is this dreams? And I would always say, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Because I I didn't know (laughs) yet. And I knew, but I knew it would come to me. I knew the direction I wanted to go with it. Wayne's character was a wizard and was, um, took the school of divination divination. And I was reading about the divination thing in fifth edition and they have dreams and see the future. I'm like, ah, I got it. And so what I did is I had a few more of these. And as we approached the end of the game, I had this basically happened to where the last character had her vision of the event that takes place in the future in the throne room. And then it flashed back, not to that character. It flashed back to Wayne's character as a kid, waking up as this memory drifts away from him and he doesn't quite grasp it the dream and then that's when they kind of started getting the fact that these visions were the visions that Max Wayne's character had and then we went on with the kids adventure at, which was a dirty limerick contest in a in a local <laughs> inn which was great and then we went on to the present and then we rolled into it and as we're rolling into it I kept trying to figure out okay This is very positional. Max's character was here. Dawn's character was there. This other character was in this part, and this other character was not in the room doing something else. The question, and when I talked about this many a year ago on the show, one of Wayne's question was, I'm curious to see how you'll bring that together. And when he asked that question, the thought that went through my mind was, yeah, so am I. (laughs) So I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. So through the session, I started planting that some of the characters, the adult, older characters who knew Max, Wayne's character, and knew what his abilities were, dropped left-handed sort of comments of, well, we don't know what's going to happen, and they said, well, I bet Max does, sort of thing, and then carried on, because Max did know what was going on, because he was having the dreams, and that's when they were marching to the throne room that they knew out of character, what was going to happen because they were there for all of the visions, but in character didn't know. And that's when I handed Wayne a note saying you, because they're having the conversation in character of, we don't know what's about to happen. I handed Wayne the note of saying, you do know what's going to happen. And this is what needs to happen. And it was to his character. He had like a sort of, not a vision, but just this knowledge now. So going back to the sort of central
0: topic here, Mm -hmm. Wayne, did it feel like reaching back in the game like that helped keep you or draw you into the moment like that gave you a sense that there was a payoff occurring here or there definitely
2: was a payoff to it and it was I'd been waiting to see how the scene was going to play the way Chad played it with handing me the note card
0: that was then my ability to help him position (laughs) everyone else into in there. Okay, so see, now here we go back to the Mm -hmm. players, you know, have a role here in helping the GM.
2: Because that's immediately what my character did. Yeah. Was he starts laying the groundwork for everyone
1: to be where they need to be for the scene. And going back to what we were talking about of, of that visceral, emotional, bother your players sort of thing. In Max's vision, Wayne's character, Max's vision, the beloved gnome bard NPC who's posing as the king... In the vision, he gets killed. And what I wrote is, you know, you know what you have to do. You know Grace has to go for help. You know Rohild has to challenge the monster. You know that uh, Lashana. Lashana has to question her father. And at the end was Max's thing. You know you have to be behind the throne to be there for Oz when he dies so he doesn't die alone. Hmm. And that was... I. That hit me. I don't know how... Much of an impact it had on you or anybody else, but I'm like... You
2: hit the right person, too, because mm -hmm. I, as a player, really like Oz. Yes. He's a bard. (laughs) He's a gnome bard. I'm going to like him. I'm going to have Mm -hmm. an attachment to him. So you picked the right player for that, too. And I also, at that point, played up the creepiness a little bit of, okay, Max has it all the vision. He's not going to just blurt out what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. He just kind of goes through the... Okay, grace when this starts get help and just he went through each of them and just said one thing to each of them that was cryptic and he's like okay now we go
1: and if this had happened way earlier in the campaign they would have questioned him they they would have called him on it they would have been no what are you talking about i'm not gonna do that Why? why do you see that you know explain it by this point in the campaign wayne had had max because he had been having visions there's a mechanic in 5e with a diviner where you get to roll two dice and you can assign the, you can replace any roll with one of the two dice basically Yep. for any creature that you can see which is the bad guys or your party yeah and wayne and i had a thing where we worked it out to where whenever he did that we had to explain why it happened through the divination you know it's just like somebody fails a trap and just falls in the pit spike wayne goes nope no, he didn't. Here's the die that replaces that bad roll. And then we explain like, Max has a flash, and then he grabs the guy by his coattails and, and keeps him from falling. You know, stuff like that. And by that time, it had happened so often, and there was also this other thing where, where Wayne... Mac- I mean, it happened two times between every sleep. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there was a, there's a, a plot thing where Max is coming to terms with being able to see the future, and he saw his own father's death. Actually, he saw the ghost of his father through a vision, tell him That he loved him, which he had never done before. And then his throat started bleeding. because Anyway. So, by that point, the characters had already accepted this. They weren't going to question
2: it. Yeah, and he didn't explain most of the time. He would just do something, and it would work out.
0: Mm -hmm. So, when the players showed up, Mm -hmm. you said there wasn't a lot of BSing, right? Okay, did you segregate them from the location? Did you start them upstairs and bring them downstairs to just have everyone come downstairs. Yes. And
1: no, when we hit the location, Dawn immediately goes downstairs. Okay. She's a nester. She yeah. goes and she makes okay. her, 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 space. Sure. Everybody else hangs out upstairs and then we mosey on down, but no, that, that happened. Don went downstairs and then we're upstairs for about 30 minutes or so. And then it's like, I, I got really got the vibe of, I don't need to corral these guys. No one's really talking about BS. They're, Kind of, They're already ready to go. They're ready to go. So, yeah. Yeah, that's got to help a lot. <laughs> yeah. You,
0: Immensely. Yeah, yeah, if you don't have to try and create that mood, ex nihilo, mm-hmm. Latin for from nothing. Right. Then that's going to help you a lot. Okay, it sounds like you had that work in your favor. So you got them downstairs, so there wasn't a lot of BSing. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we got that one yep. checked off. Wayne, you, you said that you did some things to... Help chat off, so we had the helpful players. Mm-hmm. So we got that yeah. one checked
2: off. We didn't do the recap. Mm-hmm. He started with the visceral description. That was another piece of advice.
1: Mm-hmm. Keeping it going, keeping the momentum was the the important thing. I mean, what do you think failed in that game? What do you think could have been done better? Yeah, it's hard to be put on the spot like that. I <laughs> about
2: it. Well, I mean, like I said, there were some moments in the beginning where I thought there might be a problem, but that was taken care of mm-hmm. right away. Yeah, and done very well. My dice rolls could have gone better. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh,
0: no,
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> the thing was, I rolled for initiative. I rolled a 24, a 23, a 22. My initiative every time I was one of the first to go to roll a one, a three, a five. <sighs> that was I, horrible. But that was nothing anyone could have done anything about.
1: The biggest error that I made that night was a mathematical one. It was in the middle of the combat with Reed. Dawn, the Paladin, the half-orc Paladin of Torm, does her big Kamehameha wave kabam on this guy, and you have to divide up the damage. You can't just roll a handful of dice. All dice are valid, but you just can't roll them all at once. Not with this guy, because he's undead, so he's got resistances to this, but not resistances to that, and resistances kind of to this, and immunities to that. Mm. So everything has to be rolled separately, so that your slashing damage does half, but your holy wabam does full, and so on from there. And Dawn rolled everything up, and then she's like, 27, you know, this is how much damage I do. I'm like, wait, you, you did your wabam, right? The, the, the holy thing. And she's like, yeah. Well, how much of that was their sword? And she's like, well, I don't know. And so my mistake was, and I'll explain why this was a mistake, is I said, well... I mean, we can't figure it out. There's no way of knowing. Oh, we'll just cut the damage in half. Huge mistake to say that because it was the last game. This is the apex. This is when all the characters except Wayne's dice are being awesome and doing all the awesome things and pulling out every trick in the book. And they're supposed to be super cool. and They're supposed to be winning. And my paladin just did her awesome hail, Torm, bam, nuclear strike on this guy and you deflated it. And I deflated it. Yeah. And then, and I'm like, as soon as I said, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I did the only thing that I could to repair the bad call, which was, well, why don't we reroll it? Because you could get more damage if you reroll it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. One thing I would suggest
2: for, if we come back for chapter mm-hmm. two for that, things like that, suggest to the players rolling different colored dice for mm-hmm. different things.
0: Yeah, that's That way,
2: good. if it's after the fact, you can look at it and say, the red dice were my sword, the blue dice yeah. were this. And that was something I never even thought about that's, because we hadn't dealt with much resistance. That's yeah, an age-old
0: trick with D&D. Yeah. Yeah. You, different die colors mean different things. That's something that people have been doing for years. And with good reason. I mean, for mm. something like this. Because I think the second worst thing you could have done mm. is take a dramatic moment and stopped it for hardcore math. Right. You know, it, there, okay, granted, sometimes there's tension to waiting on the ref to make the final call mm-hmm. of, you know, does the play stand or not? Usually there's not. Yeah. And so stopping at a dramatic moment for math, I think, is a risky move to begin with for dramatic tension. But I think the only thing you can do that is worse is, yeah, to simply, when you've run out of road, mm-hmm. be like, yeah, <laughs> your engine just gives out and dies isn't that cool
2: that's awesome yeah (laughs) Yeah. so one thing that i i thought was going to happen Mm -hmm. we got to the final fight we finished that and then game over yeah so at my first thought at that at that point is well we've we just ended at the climax without any i don't know what i release yes anything after any follow-up there's no yeah so at my thought at that moment was oh we just hit a brick wall here right and then you followed up though with a epilogue. Yes, very small epilogue. It didn't wrap anything up. It added a whole new mystery, but that's something you have to have after one of these a big end. You can't end with the big final battle.
0: It is what you're looking for, Wayne? Because typically, if I remember my literature right, yeah, and I can't think of the name of what it, comes but... between the climax and the epilogue is the anticlimax. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are, there are things that are anticlimactic in that they screw up a climax, right? right. But I believe. It's like let's say you have the big gunfight, and then there's the scene—not the epilogue—but the scene Mm. where the good guy and the bad guy are laying there bleeding on the floor, and they have that final moment of discussion. And the bad guy's like, "I never meant for it to go this far." And then he exhales his last and dies. It's the I believe that's I believe that Mm. is the anticlimax. So I put. Excuse me if I'm getting my literary terms wrong. College was a (laughs) (laughs) a
1: few weeks ago. Right. (laughs) So there were two halves to this game. Yeah. As we talked about there, there was the Reed climactic battle. And then there was the end of the game. So in the read climactic battle there, were, I, I did have a climax, anticlimax continuation with it yep. where, you know, Laura, awesome player, you know, totally goes into attacking this dead body in just a release of all of this pent up emotion that she had been storing up for, for a year. And so All the rest of the players, you know, oh, thank God he's dead. Oh, I'm completely spent. Oh, my God. You know, did you see? Oh, you know, the typical post-fight sort of euphoria, pain, whatever. And then I had Wayne, who had drank this plot potion that was empowered him to undead, which, unbeknownst to Max's character, allowed him to see the dead. I had the guy's ghost stand there. And so this vengeance spirit assassin in life murderer was standing there as this woman was desecrating and attacking his body in vengeance and terror and all of this stuff and basically losing her mind for a little bit and he had done all of this bad stuff as this spirit and basically haunted her and tormented her and, and killed her mother was standing there and then he looks at max and he's like i'm not sorry i did it and i'm sorry i hurt you but i don't regret any of i'm only sorry that i only got the mother and not the father and uh max was like you know i don't even remember
2: what you said someone said he's gone and there's like are we really sure and max is like yes
1: his spirit left he looked at max and as he's like fading out you know sort of thing he's like will you put flowers on my wife's grave for me because her parents lashana's parents not only tortured and killed him and betrayed him they also killed his wife and family and which is what really set him on this crazy adventure. So there was like a, a tie up with that. Now, the, on the second part, though, I did brick wall end it. And the reason I did that is like this big sort of pseudo fight, again, not dice rolling, really, more obstacles, more is all about them getting into position and then working together and not showboating individually and combining their abilities and combining their strengths to overcome the challenge. I I, I needed them to show me that they worked as a team and not individuals. You were just describing this. It's a combat, but
0: it's more about obstacles and working together and not about rolling dice. And I'm sitting here picturing, like, huh, this is kind of like a tabletop role-playing version of a quick-time event
1: right i mean essentially it was Although the quick time events are awful you know press a well really i know fast. but yeah but it's okay every, it's a four-player game everybody has to press a at the same time and now yeah. we work together because i we're mean it's descriptive it was a quick habit.
2: time event with dice because we did roll but yeah. we didn't roll it's, it's it awesome. wasn't roll your attack it's roll your intelligence roll your yeah. roll, agility roll your stat you're really good
1: at yeah so it sure. was not a real roll. i mean but the, although i think there was one or two failures and we worked through that and the other players did things to make up for the deficiencies of the other players on bad roles. And like I said, the, the point was to win this, they had to, they had to come together and work together. That was the theme, that was the point. The problem with a lot of role-playing games, not a problem, it's just a thing with a lot of role-playing games, is you have the big bad. You kill the big bad. You win. Then the stuff that happens after that in the game is f***ing boring. You got to steal his shoes. You got to ask why he was doing that. What can we do to take it? We have to, and not even like, oh, I'm going to steal his stuff, loot the body. It's it's like we have to secure the area. We have to make sure he doesn't come back. We have to, you know. Well, I want to talk about what my character does for the next ten. I I use the money to start a vineyard and I do this and that. And it's like all that's great and it's really boring because we just had the most amazing volcanic explosion ever, and now we're talking about taking the ash that's on the ground and you mixing it with our manure fertilizer to grow crops. Great, great, wonderful. It doesn't really compare to the volcanic explosion of the climax. And so I basically, they won. And then there was the book and I needed them to decide what to do with the book because the book was all evil. And then they didn't touch it and they nuked it with fire, which is great. And then there was a short little bit of role playing where, Oz is dead, and he was the king, or pretending to be the king. Yep. And, and then uh, my character asked the question, who's going to be king now? And Rohil, Dawn's mother, the half-orc paladin, was like, well, maybe. And then Dawn was like, no, no, you will not. Maybe, Ro. And then I was like, the end. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, F- you, no. <laughs> Rohil's too busy. So, so if there's nothing else to take away from this
0: game. Is that the best way you can end any campaigns with a book burning.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Not a pile of books like some Nazi, but yeah, a single just, evil book. Yeah, just be sure to burn yeah.
2: some just, book. Right. Well, And then he gave the epilogue, which I think was important. Because mm-hmm. if it would have just brick walled right there, that doesn't feel like a wrap-up. That felt like you made it to the final right. battle, and now instead of the payoff, you get
1: the end. The end. Dot, dot, dot. But the are. epilogue... Yeah added something. To so me. there, there are different kinds of endings that I think are acceptable on, on role-playing games. If this were a big, huge long campaign, this is a year long campaign. I know there's longer, but if this were a big, huge long campaign and this was the end period done, yeah. full stop, I'm not going to run another part of this. We're moving on to bigger and better things. Then yeah, the brick wall ending was, that'd eh, be lame. Uh, what I would have done instead is like, uh, and I've done this on other games where, basically i go around the table and i interview the characters you know it's like yeah there's a little bit of wrap up and stuff and then i'm like what does max do what what becomes of max over the next 20 years and then we talk about it and I, I say well this is going on in the world was max doing about it and max does this and that and this is the life of and we kind of like do a little five ten minute thing where we narrate max's life for the next 20 years and the other players join in and then i go through and i do that for the other characters and I have found that that works really well. That, that's, that's a lot of fun because characters have a lot or players have a lot of head cannon for the characters and it allows them to kind of explore that and kind of like put a, a gradual rolling stop to the game. Thing is, this is chapter one. I have ideas and plans. I want to pick this game up again. I'm not exactly sure that there's a lot of different ways I could pick it up. And so there's still a lot of mystery out there. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And I think Wayne's absolutely right. If we had just full stop, period, brick wall done it, there's unanswered stuff. There's unanswered stuff for interpersonal relationships with the characters, with the plot. A lot of stuff was handled, but there were not a lot of questions answered. Yeah. And so the whole big thing, like, you'll have to listen to my explanations of what this game was in some of the previous episodes. But there was a whole big thing with an A, with a dragon A. And there was a woman who was a dragon who was frozen in time. And then her and her dragon egg were used in this magic spell. And the dwarves and the drow were combined. And the goblin was, were made and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, why was that? How was that sort of thing? Who was related to that? Well, they had freed the woman and they had freed her egg. Even though they were a thousand years old, they, they had found them and freed them and saved them. And uh, the main sort of bad guy, his name was Zaheer. And that was a thousand years ago. And the the idea that the players have that they were able to piece together is that Zaheer was this human guy and he had found this book and the book was evil, Necronomicon type evil, and it had possessed his mind and it had taken him over and he had betrayed all these people and he betrayed Zalana and that was the dragon. And they knew that they were lovers. It was Zaheer and Zalana. It was their child. And he did the ultimate betrayal where he betrayed her and used their child in this horrible magical spell that got him these powers and such. And so they had broke that cycle, broke the spell, and all the stuff in the game had happened. And Zelana and her egg were kind of sidelined. And I didn't really want them involved. They were just kind of there. Zelana's taking care of her egg. That's her thing, man. She didn't care about your bullshit. She's taking care of her kid. Uh, so, So it really made sense. And she was in this library, this hidden secret library, where she was safe and kind of hanging out. And so they, they defeat the big bad and you know, the end dot, 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 question mark. And everyone's like, Oh, what's going on? No, I'm not going to be queen. I don't have time for that. I've got to go kill stuff and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's talking and laughing and stuff. And I kind of give them a few minutes to kind of process that work through it. And I said, the scene goes to Zalana and she's sitting in this library and she's flipping through this thousand year old magical book. Like it's Cosmo. And because she's a dragon, she already knows everything that's in it. And you hear the sprang, of this metal breaking because she's a brass dragon. and The egg is brass and it starts cracking, but breaks because it's metal. And she throws the book over her shoulder. It's priceless artifact book, throws over her shoulder, runs over to the egg and helps child. And this child stands up and it's bipedal dragon, like basic, or not uh, the, the bipedal dragon, the the character class, the the dragonborn dragonborn. Yeah. It's basically a dragonborn child. So, you know, it's a bipedal scales, dragon face, that sort of thing. And she goes, you know, oh, you're, you know, she's very happy. And she's, like, oh, you're here. And I'm so happy. I love you so much. She hugs it. And she's like, oh, man, after all this time we made it, it's so great. It's wonderful. What should we call you? Dovah King, you will call me Zahir, And then it goes blank and you hear Zalana scream. And that was the end. So then it's the question of like, well, what the f- what the, f-? And everyone's like, well, what happened? what's this? And they start bombarding me with questions. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Guess we'll have to find out sometime. Yeah, the party really hates the
2: here. And it's one yeah. of those things where they've never actually met the character. Yeah. The character well, was dead
1: before. I made this character who died like 25 years ago, who would lived for like a thousand years, died 25 years ago, did all this evil. They weren't even born when this guy died, right? They hate him so much that at the end, one of the players exclaimed, we killed this guy twice, and I knew he was coming back. And I'm like, you never fought him. <laughs> you never even met him. <laughs> well, I just hate him. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, it, it was, I think it was a really good game. And it really, honestly, had nothing to do with me. Well, I it, think it did. Yeah, you undersell yourself a lot. Yeah, it I was didn't... the plan. They were into it. They, they, were, they came, they were raring to go, they wanted it, and they drove it. If, having been in the game, here's where
2: I'll discount Chad's discounting of himself. Things you did right. Very descriptive, very visceral in the beginning. Deciding that the second fight was going to be more narrative. That that was a huge decision. Mm-hmm. And that really set the pace of the game and the feel of the game. Reed, making him be the, the one that we had to actually fight to overcome. Mm-hmm. And the descriptions of his interactions. And the ghost of Reed. To kind of give that the complete circle. These were not the players driving things. This is what you brought to the table. These are
0: major elements of any story. The -hmm. selection of pacing, Wayne just talked about it. The decision of what to focus on. And focusing on the parts that the players cared about. Which once again Wayne just talked about. Which isn't just the conflict, but is also the effects of the conflict. On both the good guys and the villains. So you have both Mm -hmm. Climax and, and... once you have remembering the right term, anti-climax as well. There were absolutely things you did. I mean, I have no problem sitting here and thinking of tons of movies I've watched where I can say, wow, this movie sucked for a particular (laughs) reason. You know, it's not because nobody brought it. It's because one party didn't bring it. Hmm. One person didn't handle the role well. Or maybe the actors and actresses were all great, but... The writing just wasn't there. Or maybe the writing was there and the actors and actresses were fine, but the choice to do found footage shaky cam <laughs> was a poor one. It, and, by the way, it, it always it's is. Always it's a always poor a poor decision. Yeah. And so, I mean, no, I, I think for, if the game worked, mm. you had to have done something right. I mean, unless it was a pure RP session where you just sat there and doodled, <laughs> yeah. then... And even then, if you have a pure RP session that works, that's only because the Game Master brought it at some point prior in the game.
1: Well, thank you. I so, it.
0: all that's, right. Uh, I think this is where we're going to wrap up this little
1: after-action report. Mm-hmm. So thank oh. you for the advice, by the way. And I, I'm i pretty sure Dawn's going to eventually listen to this, and I want to thank her for the advice, too. It was very rock-solid. I think that if anyone, God forbid, if you were ever in this situation, <laughs> that... Uh, I think you can turn to this advice and it will really help you. Once you get the game going, just stick with the game mastering fundamentals and keep it rolling. Yeah. So beyond that, have a great week
0: and great games and we will catch you guys next time. See yeah. ya.